All right. Well, guys, it is so good to see everybody tonight. Welcome to M12. If you are here for the very first time, we especially want you to know that we are glad that you would join us uh, tonight. And here's the thing. Last week, we started a new series called Identity Crisis. And this is probably one of the most important foundational uh, truths that we could talk about, this word or idea of identity, right? And so if you were with us last week, you know that we talked about the fact that identity is birthed and not built. And if you were here or you weren't here, I used an illustration of the Jenga blocks. Anybody ever played Jenga before? It's one of my favorite games of all time. I love it. And I bet I would beat you. But I, I use the illustration of the Jenga blocks and how, man, we try to build our life on things that we think are going to fulfill us and we think are going to, to really be like what we want. But what we learn is that all that comes crashing down eventually. And that's kind of like having an identity crisis. And so what we talked about is that identity is birthed and not built, that we were born into um, sin and apart from God, but because of Jesus Christ, who came and lived his life and died on the cross for our sins, now we get to call him Father. We get to relate to Jesus as um, we, are, we are a child of the King, a son or a daughter of the King. And it's an amazing thing, and that's because of what Jesus did for us, right? And tonight, I just want to continue that conversation, and I want to look at something a little different when it comes to identity. And, and here's what I want to look at. The question, really, that we're, that we're trying to answer is, who are you? Or who are you really, right? And, and when we think about that, at the core of who you are, when everything, when nobody's around, when everything's stripped down, who are you? And so for a lot of us, the question, for that question to be answered, we have to start with, who were you? And so who were you growing up? Who were you as a child? Who were, what family are you in? And what do you like to do, right? And identity is less about what you do and more about who you relate to. And so I want to show you what I mean. So for example, for me, I brought a few pictures that I thought would be fun to show, just kind of a trip through memory lane, and uh, if you guys want to laugh, no problem. You can laugh as much as you would like, okay? So here's the first picture. This is me as a little tyke. I'm in my uh, dad's lap there. Aren't I a cute little tyke? Somebody said, ooh, thank you, thank you. Okay, so dad's 40th birthday. I'm a little kid there. Let's move on. My first grade picture up the top in the middle in the Coca-Cola shirt. Come on, guys. Coca-Cola? Coca-Cola, man. That's what's up. All right, let's go to the next picture. These are my brothers, my two older brothers. And uh, this is me here in the pink shirt. Real men wear pink. Amen, men? Real men wear pink. All right. And uh, can we just, can we go back to that? Can we go, can we go back? Can we just take a second to appreciate my oldest brother's shirt? Like, what is he wearing right there? Isn't that fun? Is he from Hawaii? He looks like it, doesn't he? But no, he is not. Check out. This is a little bit, a little bit later in life. You know, we look a little bit more normal there. And check out this next one. This is my middle school football picture. Middle school football. I look pretty mean, don't I, guys? I have a lot of uh, 
nieces and nephews. So this is a picture of me as an uncle with my two nephews, my two oldest nephews. Love those guys. Now they're 12 and 13. And then this is the best picture by far, my better half. This is my wife, Erin, and uh, she's amazing. And um, so when it comes to identity, right, when it comes to identity, um, it's more about who we relate to and less about what we do. See, who you are has more to do with who you know than what you do. It's kind of like, if you guys ever heard the saying, it's not about what you do, but it's all about who you know. Anybody ever heard that saying? Okay, well, you've heard it now, all right? So welcome to the saying. Um, and that's kind of like identity. It's less about what we do, and it's more about who we know, who we relate to. See, my identity, in a way, is as a son, as a husband, as a pastor, as a friend, as an uncle, as a cousin, right? And you have some of the same identities as well. But here's the most important question. If identity is less about what we do and more about who we relate to, how do you relate to God? How do I relate to God? When it comes to God, what comes to mind? What do I think when it comes to how I view God or how God might view me. I mean, think about it like this. If there's a God, and there is, and who I am is more about who I relate to, then how do I relate to God is a really important question, especially when it comes to our identity, especially when it comes to who uh, we really are. And so a couple of things that kind of flow through the culture, right? Some of your friends might believe this, or maybe you find yourself believing this. This is just kind of a couple ways that people tend to relate to God, is they think that God is like this massive chess player. Anybody play chess in here? Right? I particularly don't understand the game. I'm barely good at checkers, right? But we view God and we relate to God almost like he's like this chess player and we are the little pawn, right? Kind of like this picture. We're just a little pawn and he can move us where he wants us to go, but he doesn't really care about us. He's not really, he's not really involved in our life. He's kind of this distant, created being. And sometimes you may think that's bogus, but some people actually believe that's how, that's how they should relate to God. Or some people even think, man, I should relate to God like, kind of like I'm a criminal, and if I do something wrong, then God at that moment, man, he's ready to strike me down with a lightning bolt like this picture. And he can just strike me dead right then and there. Some people actually think that's the way they are to and supposed to relate to God. And see, answering this question impacts how we view our identity. It affects our identity. And so maybe there's people you know that feel this way about God. That's how they relate to God. Maybe you even feel this way. But what if it's different? I mean, what if God tells us and wants us to relate to him in a very different way than that? Let me ask this question. How does he want us 
to relate to him? And I think the answer is found in the Bible. So if you have one of the Worship Center Bibles and you want to follow along, page number 1133, 1133, Romans chapter 8, and I'm just going to read one verse to you together. I want you guys to read this with me in your mind. It's going to come on the screen. Verse number 15, it says this, The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. Now let me explain what's happening. Paul, the Apostle Paul, is the writer of the book of Romans, and in the book of Romans, what he is talking about up until this point is that there was a way that people used to relate to God. They used to relate to God out of fear. They used to relate to God perhaps out of being like a pawn in a chess game or being a criminal who could do no right. They used to relate to him out of fear. And that's what he says here in verse 15. He says, it does not make you slaves so that you may live in fear again. That's how it used to be. And then it gets to the good stuff. He says this, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. See, Paul says that we are actually to relate to God in a very different way. A very different way than people did in that culture, and a very different way than maybe even some of the people in our circles relate to God. See, God is not distant. He's intimate. God is not distant, he's close, he's near. And I want to give you a thought tonight that we're going to talk about so you're going to understand what this means. Here is a bottom line. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. God is not distant, he is dad. God is not distant, he is dad. And what's interesting about this passage, right, is that Paul is writing this book, the book of Romans, and he says the word Abba. Now, we don't really use that word a lot now. I, I don't think, you know, you call your dad Abba. You should say that tonight. When he, if he picks you up tonight, you say, what's up, Abba? He might be confused, but you'll know what it means. It means father. It means dad. But in the language that the people used in this time. It meant dad, right? And the significance of this, right, is that, you know, as a kid grew up and they couldn't talk very well, like all of us, one of the first sounds that they could make was the B sound. And so it became pretty easy to be the first word out of their mouth was Abba. And it was the way that they would relate to dad. It was the way they would call out to dad. And I, want, I don't want you to miss what Paul is telling and encouraging us to do in this moment. He's saying, he's inviting you and I to relate to God as our Abba. He's inviting us to relate to God as our dad, as our father. It's a really powerful truth. See, God is not distant. He is dad. He is like a father. He is close. He is Abba. 
See, he's not some faraway being that doesn't care about you, that's not involved in your life, that doesn't love you, that doesn't have a purpose and a plan for you. He's very, very different than that. He's actually the direct opposite. And my identity is like a son or a daughter of God, that God himself has invited me to refer to him as dad, a son and daughter of of the king. And regardless of your earthly dad, regardless of your earthly father, your heavenly dad is better. See, because your heavenly dad knows more about you. He cares more about you. He's more honest with you. He's more present with you. He's more like a dad should be than the dad on earth that you have. Now, I'm not saying that you don't have a good dad. It's not what I'm saying at all. Some of you, you have a very loving father, and some of you don't. But what I'm wanting you to see is that God is a constant in your life, that he is and wants you to refer to him and relate to him as dad. And I want to break down what this means, because you might be thinking, well, man, I'm in sixth grade. Um, What does it mean that God's a dad? What does that look like? What is that? What are you actually saying? And I think a verse in the Bible really captures what it means. So I want to read this to you. It's going to come on the screen. It says this, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. So students, I want you to think about this. There's a couple things that we can take away from this passage about God as dad. The first thing is this, God as dad means that we, you and me, are planned with a purpose. Means that you and me, we are planned with a purpose. In other words, right? In other words, you are not an accident. You have purpose. Now, there may have been times in your life where maybe you've you've heard those words or you've wondered what am, what am I here for? Am I, do I have a purpose? What, 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 what is this life thing all about? Here's the thing. God had you in mind way before your parents had you in mind. It's an amazing thought. It's true. He had you in mind way before your parents had you in mind. And what God tells us in this passage is that from the moment you were born until now, and, until, and, and from now until forever, that he, right, he has plans for your life. And he says, plans to make your future incredible, plans to walk with you during tough times, plans to walk with you when things are great. God has a specific plan for you. Now, I know it might be hard to see that might be hard to know what that even means as a sixth grade student, but it's true. He has a plan specifically for your life. It's an incredible thing. The Savior of the world has a plan for you. He has a plan specific for you. It's an amazing truth. The second thing that we can notice about what God as dad means is that God protects us from harm. We are protected from 
harm. See, God protects us. He protects you. He protects me. He watches over us. Now, that doesn't mean that life is going to be perfect and that nothing's ever going to go wrong and that we're never going to go through difficulty. But it does mean that he's with us when that happens. Now, those of you um, that have an earthly father or even an earthly mother, just a guardian, you know, the reality is um, a dad can't necessarily control his kids, but he can protect them. What I mean by that is simply this. How many of you, just a show of hands, how many of you, your parents have ever said, hey, before you cross the road, look both ways? Anybody with me on that? Most of us have heard that before. Or what about when you were a little bit younger than today, they would say, son, daughter, don't ever play in the street. Anybody? Don't play in the street. If you play in the street, get run over by a car. That would be bad news, right? See, that is their way as a parent of protecting you. And God protects us. He protects you. He protects me. That's why God says in his word that that he wants to protect us from things like our purity, which we're going to be talking about what that means in a conversation next month. See, God is not this God of a ton of different rules. He, he puts things forward in order to protect us, to watch over us, to keep us from harm. And the last thing is this. God as dad means that we are provided with everything we need, with enough. We're provided with enough. Provided with enough. The Bible says his plan is to prosper us. You know what that means? It means to give us plenty. It means that we would live in a way that we would have enough. And God will always give us all that we need. We may not think that he's giving us all we need because we may think we need more. But God knows more than we do. And God will always give us all that we need. There's a verse in Matthew chapter 6 and The writer is talking about things like the grass of the field, the flowers, the trees, the birds of the air, right? And he compares our life with theirs. And he says, they have all that they need. The birds have all the food they need. And why would we or why should we worry about our life? Things like what we're going to wear. Sometimes we worry about what we're going to wear, don't we? Or what, sh- what, we should, what we should eat or what we should drink, right? Some of these things we just naturally have because God is a God who always gives us enough. He provides us with enough. Now, I know that in a, a sermon or a talk like this, I know that some of these ideas or concepts... Um, could be a a difficult challenge for you. And the reason why I know it can be a a difficult challenge is because it's hard to imagine God as a dad when maybe your dad hasn't been the best. And I don't know all of your stories. So I know some of you have great families. You have great moms and great dads. They love you. You know that. 
And some of you, that might be a little muddy. It might be a little challenging. And so to refer to God as dad makes no sense because your dad is distant or your dad hasn't been there for you like you thought he would be. And here's what I want to say to those of you who are in that boat. One thing is this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to those of you that have had that deck of cards dealt to you. That don't have a dad who has been there for you like you've needed. What I can also say is that I don't believe that's what God wants. Because when I look in the Bible, God's very clear about dads and their children. But what I can tell you is this. God is different. God is a different type of dad. He's like the best dad. He's a dad that never leaves us, that never gets angry with us, that never loses patience with us, that never gets disappointed when we do something that we shouldn't do, never gets angry or loses his temper. See, God is different. He's not like an earthly dad. And that's not to say that your earthly dad is not amazing. I'm not taking anything away from anybody in this room that has a great dad. But what I will say is, your heavenly dad is better. He's better because... He's God. He's better because 2,000 years ago, he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ. Perfect, sinless man. He was God in the form of flesh that came down from heaven to earth to live among us, to dwell among us. And he was perfect. And then he went and he died on the cross for your sin and for my sin. He was made fun of, he was beaten, he was mocked, he was ridiculed, he was nailed to a cross because of how much he loves you and how much he loves me. And do you know why he did that? He did that so that we could be adopted into the family of God. So that you and I could be called sons and daughters, adopted into the perfect family, the family of God. And some of you are here tonight, and you've, maybe you've never made the decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you've never made the decision to place your identity in Christ and in Christ alone. And tonight, maybe tonight is the night of your salvation. Maybe you need to make that decision in this room tonight. And if you do, we're going to play a song in a few moments. And if that's you, you can find your small group leader. I'll be standing in the back, and I'd be happy, more than happy to talk with you about what that means. But for some of you, my prayer is simply this. I hope that after hearing a talk like this, you can understand a little bit more about how you can relate to God, that he invites us to relate to him as Abba, Father, as dad, that he's not distant, but he's close. He's not distant, but he's intimate. He's not distant, but he is dad. See, because we're planned with a purpose, 
We're protected from harm. We're provided with enough. See, that right there, students, is the character of the God that we serve. And so tonight, here's how I want to wrap things up. I want to put a prayer on the screen because here's what I think. I think sometimes in our life, when we pray together, when we pray corporately as one unit, um, there's a lot of power in that. And what, what we did was we took the verse in Jeremiah and we put it to the words of a prayer. And here's my challenge this week. It's on your outline. The do statement, the application of this message is that you would take time, sometime between now and next Wednesday, and that you would get on our Instagram. It's M12 Stone Central. You could pop on there. And this prayer is going to be on our Instagram. And that you would spend some time before next week just praying this prayer over your life, declaring the truth of this prayer. Here's what it says. It says, you have a plan for everything in my life. You want good for me, and you protect me from evil. You provide everything I need. I trust that you love me, and you hold my future. Amen. And so this is what I want us to do. I want us to say this prayer together. And I want you to say it um, not in a way of being a distraction or being off or anything like that, but just as one big family, because we are, that we declare the truth of these words. And so I want to count to three, and when I say three, I'm going to lead us, and you guys are going to pray this prayer out loud. We want, we want heaven to hear us. All right? We're not yelling, but we're, we're talking loudly. You guys ready? Okay, one two, three. You have a plan for everything in my life. You want good for me and you protect me from evil. You provide everything I need. I trust you love me and you hold my future. Amen. Let's do it one more time. Make sure that if you didn't do it that time, you do it this time. One, two, you have a plan for everything in my life. You want good for me, and you protect me from evil. You provide everything I need. I trust that you love me, and you hold my future. Amen. Let's pray together. God, we love you so much. And we thank you that your word tells us that we're planned for a purpose, no matter how young we are. You protect us from harm. You provide us with enough. And I pray for these students tonight. God, I pray that the truth of that prayer would reign heavily in their hearts and minds. I pray that they would know um, deep within them, in their soul, that it is, it is true. That you do have a plan for us. And that they would declare that prayer over their lives this week. God, as we sing to you about being a good, good father, would you remind us that we're planned for a purpose, protected from harm, provided with enough. In Jesus' name.